coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies, a.k.a. Buzzsaw Movies, our special Saw edition of Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And we are here this week discussing Saw 7, a.k.a. Saw 3D, the final chapter. Yes, here we are, the final chapter of the Saw franchise. It's been a long time coming. It sure has. I can't believe we're here. I can, you know. <laughs> it's been quite a journey. It really has yes. been quite a journey. <laughs> uh, before we delve into the, um, this atrocious movie, um, why don't we just go over briefly what we've been seeing other than Saw recently? Because, believe it or not, we do see other movies. Well, speak for yourself. Um, okay. Well, I've seen other movies. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've been traveling a lot lately, and so I haven't seen that much. Uh, I did, of course, get around to seeing Avengers Endgame. Yes, um, me too. So that was exciting. It's, uh, you know, a big moment in pop culture. Um, and I really liked it, so that was good. Um, yeah. yeah. I liked Avengers a lot. I got to say, I did not really care for Infinity War. Uh, right, we can right. get into all that at some point, but I actually really <laughs> like this one. Uh, I definitely think we we're going to be discussing it more in length at some point, but um, basically we both liked it. We both had a great time. Uh, the showing I was at was awesome. It was a huge sold out IMAX theater. Everyone in there was oohing and aahing and cheering at all the right moments. Just like oh, nice. exactly what you want from an audience. A lot of fun. Man, that's awesome. Mine was not quite so interactive. Mine was like at a movie theater that was owned by a church. It was really weird. <laughs> oh. um, and it was a bunch of kids, really. I mean, honestly, uh, I was also there for my young cousin's birthday party, basically. So I guess that's what I get. Um, but it was still good. It was a great movie. So it's fine. I do yeah. want to get around to seeing it again sometime. Yeah, I'll probably see it again if I have a spare three hours sometime while it's still yeah, around. Unfortunately, it's uh. like the longest you have to really that is that is a big out. ask, and I do want to try to rewatch Captain Marvel as well beforehand because I feel like there was a lot going on in Endgame that I was like, oh, like I I feel like I didn't really catch that from Captain Marvel, so definitely have to go back and see that as well. Um, other than that, so I went to I think I might have mentioned this previously on the podcast. Uh, I went to. A this drive-in movie festival that I go to twice a year up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the uh, the Drive-in Super Monsterama. I love that it, name. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, they also so the April edition is called April Ghouls Monsterama, and then the the fall one is the uh, the Drive-in Super Monsterama. Uh, both are really fun. The April one is a little more they show like more violent gory movies or okay. just, like, scarier movies. So that one's always like the most fun. And then the, the ones in the fall are usually a little more campy, but still a lot of fun. And it's uh it's two nights, four movies each night. One time they even showed five movies a night, which was nuts. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of movies. They go from like, so this, this year they went from like eight, 
12:30 p.m. to 4:30 a.m. uh they're wow. generally around there yeah so it's a long night i usually end up napping a little bit somewhere in there uh just to make it through you can camp on site which is very nice if you're staying up till 4:30 watching the movies um <laughs> This time we did not camp. Uh, we went to a hotel, which had its benefits. Certainly driving at 4.30 in the morning was not a lot of fun. But no. <laughs> um, being able to sleep in a real bed after all that was very nice. Because uh, usually the camping could be a little rough. But it's just a lot of fun. I love the drive-in. I especially love seeing so many like old movies back-to-back like that. It's a lot of really good horror Um this year they showed uh for the first night they showed Basket Case, Toxic Avenger, The Slithis, and Blood Beach. Nice. And then uh night two was The Fog, Creep Show, Mother's Day, and Burial Ground. That's awesome. So yeah, um lots of heavy hitters in there, and then some like less known B movies in there as well. Yeah. Um they're really good. And they show, you know, like old drive-in concession commercials and stuff in between. Oh, sure. They've yeah. Got, like all, all the classic stuff. The snack bar is really awesome. It's just a lot of fun. I've been going for several years now and always have a very good time. Um, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Check it out. If you're ever, uh, if you ever feel like doing something weird like this, it's at a, <laughs> It's called this drive-in super monsterama. It takes place at the Riverside Drive-in in Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's twice a year. It's hell of a time. Nice. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, you should check it out, especially. I think you'd. Love I know. It. I really need to. I need to. I haven't been to a drive-in in so long either. Uh, so it's like a huge bummer. I guess yeah. you don't really get to go to them in New York, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they're definitely uh fading from the cultural relevance but there's a few out there still operating i would also like need a car but like you know um (laughs) yeah that's generally good to have but um yeah i think it's actually run by people from new york so they're definitely people who make the trip oh yeah absolutely i mean getting to pennsylvania is not that hard from here yeah yeah it's like a i don't know it's just like five hours driving for us usually right uh so it's like it's it's a big trip but it's worth it it's worth mind. it yeah that's so cool yeah i'll definitely have to check it out sometime i'll try to come i'll try to come one time i'm sure yeah. eventually it'll happen we should do it and then we should like interview the people running it that would be that would be great yeah so uh god what else have i seen recently um i saw that um god what the la llorona movie oh the curse of la llorona yeah i saw that Oof. Uh, not good not good <laughs> uh, i don't really have much else to say about it other than like just bad yeah it's not a lot not a lot to say it's just not very good um i didn't realize it was set in the 70s that was kind of cool I oh guess. i didn't know that either um <laughs> the trailers did not make that clear um that's weird yeah i really wanted to see that even though it looked terrible just because i see horror movies but i just never got around to it probably won't until it's on home release um right on well, and it's, somewhere you know it's in the uh the whole conjuring verse so 
It's actually in the universe? Yeah. Wait, I didn't know that. Okay. Let me let me reconfirm this just to make sure. <laughs> I knew it was from the people who did it, but yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. Yeah, and they've they've got the whole bit with the um the people investigating and everything. They you know, they they show up briefly in every one of these movies. Right. Uh, just as a sort of yeah, but it it was not very good. I mean, yeah. Linda Linda Cardellini was pretty much the only good part of this. She right. was doing her best, but uh, not a lot to work with, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, too bad. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, not a whole lot else on the movie front for me recently. No, I unfortunately haven't seen a lot. I will say that today I watched the new It Chapter Two trailer like seven times. Ooh. So that counts. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, when's that coming out again? Do you know? September 6th. Cause it's oh. the same weekend it came out last. The last one came out. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Definitely looking forward to that. It's going to be good. At least I hope so. The trailer makes it look like it's going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, we hope. Yeah. I have faith. I will. Yeah. I believe. All right. So, uh, with that, with our recent movies covered, why don't we just dive on into Saw 7? Do we have um, to? I guess we have to. We'll ease into it by uh, by recapping what happened last time on Saw 6. Previously on Saw. In, previously on Saw, in Saw 6, um, we get to see that whole healthcare debacle, all that. Um at the end of that whole series of traps, uh, Hoffman himself is put into a trap, uh, yes. namely the reverse bear trap. What he's mm-hmm. his hands are restrained, so he can't really do a lot, but he does manage to get his way out of it uh, through a series of little tricks, um, and he rips open his face in the process. So sure. yeah, that's where we're at. Hoffman, that is where we're at. Still alive by some miracle. Yes. Uh, and he's pissed. Yes. So that's actually, uh, yeah, yeah. That's where we start. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So Saw 6 did not perform as well as they were hoping at the box office. Right. Um, apparently, they did not hit their targets. Although it did make more money, like way more money than its budget. So it did. Yeah. It made like 68 million against an 11 million budget. Um, for many movies, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so um, I yeah. guess that's that is like, I mean, Saw itself has done a lot better. So I guess to them that seemed you know pretty bad, but it's still like it was fine in my opinion. But okay, um, <laughs> yeah, they they probably were just looking to cut the chain at some point. Right. Uh, but so originally they'd planned to wrap this all up with. Um, a two-part final movie here after Saw 6. So there would have been Saw 7 and Saw 8. Right. Um, to finally pull all these threads together, tie it all neat with a bow, and uh, leave us with answers to all the questions that we had. Right. And unfortunately, because Saw 6 didn't do very well, they decided, nope, we're only doing one more. And you got to try to cram all that stuff into one movie. Yes. Yes. In addition to that, 
um, David Hackle, who directed Saw 5, was supposed to come back to direct this movie. He was also the production designer for 2 through 4. Um, but he was fired, and then they... For- <laughs> I found this so funny. They forced Kevin Gruter to direct the movie. <laughs> Yes, but through this clause in his contract, he was going off to direct Paranormal Activity 2, and they basically pulled him off of that and made him direct this movie. Yes. Now, I don't know whether he was pissed about that or or not, but (laughs) I got to say, if I was being forced to direct a movie, I would not necessarily put in my best work on that. Uh, No, (laughs) that's for sure. So that, already, yeah, we're not starting from a good place. There's a no. lot of not great stuff happening here. Um, no, we're already like way behind before production even starts here. Yeah. Um, in addition, this one, for some reason, they decided to make it in 3D. And yes, they um, sure did. They, they didn't just decide to go the whole post-conversion process. They actually shot this movie in 3D, which I found extremely surprising. It is really surprising. That doesn't happen a lot, um, especially in like a horror movie that's filming in 3D. Um, so that's pretty uh, pretty weird. I mean, that's usually, honestly, that's usually a hallmark of a movie actually doing like 3D correctly, and it's going to look good. Right. Unfortunately, there's not many positives you can say about Saw 5. So that's kind of a harder (laughs) thing to say here, but you know, that's okay. Did you ever see this in 3d? Yes. I have seen this in 3d because I saw this in theaters. Nice. Uh, How was the 3d in theaters? You know, I wouldn't really recommend it. Um, (laughs) It just isn't great. I mean, it's, it's as fine as 3d is going to get for a movie like this, but it's just like, it didn't need it. Um, This wasn't a movie that called for it and they didn't really, I mean, I honestly don't think they necessarily took good enough advantage of it. Um, yeah. So. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that you can tell when, when you're watching at home that it's supposed to pop out in the 3D, which I always think is, like, one of the worst things you can do with 3D because it's so it's like hokey. like, the most gimmicky way to do it. Makes you feel like you're in an amusement park or something. Right. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, like, you're on one of those, like, rides at the amusement park with the, sh- the seats shake. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um yeah, so it's not great. Um, if you want a better example of horror that came out literally a year later that shot in 3D and did it much better, Final Destination 5 is the one to go. Um, it looks really good in 3D. Um, they also filmed in 3D instead of converting af- in post-production. Um, and that's pretty impressive, again. Um, and it works way better. <laughs> it actually looks really good in 3D. Um, so, you know, check that out instead. But... Another fun fun, uh, Final Destination connection I found out earlier uh, is that uh, Chad Danella, who plays Detective Matt Gibson in this movie. Yeah, he's in (laughs) Final Destination. Yep. (laughs) Um, That took me a while. Like the first time I saw this, I like I was like, why does that guy look so familiar? Um, And I was trying so hard to place him. And finally, when I caved and looked it up, I was like, wow, he looks very different, too, though. Like (laughs) he does not look like the same kid, Um, I guess, because he's not a kid anymore. All right, so the plot of this movie is kind of a mess. Uh, they, As we said, they tried to basically cram two movies into one here. Um, there was supposed to be like a big climactic 
Saw 8 that probably would have made a lot more sense than the third act of this movie. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming that's where a lot of that went. But right. uh, let's try to just talk through the whole plot real quick, and then we'll dissect the traps. Okay, um, great idea. So, as we know, Hoffman is out. He's still out sawing. When we start off here, um, actually, that's... That, no. um, so... He's he's escaped from his trap. Yes. We see uh him go out of the room that he's in and he's um like finding stuff to stitch his face back together and whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh like bandage his hand and Jill Tuck is literally hiding in the same room and she escapes. She realizes that Hoffman's gonna like come and kill her because like he's got it out for her now. Yeah, um, she so tried she to run- kill him, so... Yeah, fair <laughs> enough, right? So she runs off to the cops, and she basically, like, tells, uh, tells the cops, like, look, I know, like, everything about Jigsaw. I'll tell you everything and everything about Hoffman in exchange for protection. And, like, right. basically tells him, like, Hoffman is now Jigsaw. Right, and so in the process, she that's where we meet uh, uh, Detective Gibson, who's played by Chad Danella from Final Destination, who is possibly the most asshole cop in the entire world. I know that's hard to say <laughs> because we have Eric Matthews in this universe, but like, um, I Matt Gibson's terrible. The more asshole cop is in fact Hoffman. Oh, sure. Hoffman's agree to disagree. Yeah. Agree. Um, <laughs> um, Detective Gibson is a jerk. Yeah. He's like yes. not pleasant at all. Like he's mean to Jill the whole time. And it's like, she's like fearing for her life and is also aiding you in finding the jigsaw killer. Let's calm down a little bit. Um, but yeah, not a fan. So she goes and wants to be protected, AKA put in a jail cell with all of her stuff. Like she brings her suitcase on a little desk and everything and sets it up in a jail cell, which is really <laughs> funny. Um, she's just like sitting there with all of her stuff. And um, it's like, okay. Um, so that's like really her plot, this whole movie. She just like sort of sits there and is afraid. Yeah. Sitting there being afraid. Um, meanwhile, um, we've got, uh, a couple of different sets of traps that go on, um, that aren't exclusively connected to the plot. There's this, um, this couple of guys who are in a love triangle with this girl who get involved in this whole trap in a public place, uh, (laughs) Like some sort of mall square somewhere, yes. uh, which makes no sense. We're definitely going to delve into that. Yes. Um, there's the the whole skinhead trap, which is oh, like this very yeah. elaborate setup with a car and an eight-track tape player um, and oh Chester God. Bennington for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so R.I.P. Um, so that that whole that trap, in fact, actually does set up. Um, a police investigation because they go to, you know, check out where all this stuff, they go to check out all these people who died there, Um, which does end up being relevant later on. Um, Meanwhile, the main trap is this guy who um, he is a self-help guru who claims to be a survivor from uh, one of Jigsaw's traps. Uh, Bobby Dagan, as played by Sean Patrick Flannery, um, who at least I know from Boondock Saints. Yeah, that's uh, definitely 
where most he's people definitely know in some from. other stuff, but yeah. he's a blue duck saint for life. So his whole trap is like, you know, obviously Hoffman found out about him. Well, Jigsaw, John Kramer himself also knew about him um, and decided to put him in this trap. He has to try to save like all the people who have been helping him run this self-help um, seminar and book and everything. Um, yes. He fails miserably at all of that. And um, yeah, has to watch all of his friends and his wife die. That's lots of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's like the big meat of it. That's like, yeah. that pretty much is the first two thirds of the movie. The yeah. third act of this movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. You want to take a whack at this one? Cause uh, trying to describe the third act of the movie. Yeah. So I guess, are we talking like the third act of the movie, meaning like outside of the main game, yeah. the stuff that happens with, with the Gibson and, and Jill Hoffman. and Hoffman and all of that. Yeah. Okay. So, so the way this, if I can, I think that I get it. So you mentioned that the trap featuring Chester Bennington, that was basically murdering racists. Um, yeah. That set off a police investigation. Yes. Which is very important because that police investigation brings half of the police force, apparently out to this like junkyard um, it's like a huge, just like car junkyard. Um, also note that they say that they found out about this murder because somebody reported a car crash in the junkyard. Um, <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I heard some smashing metal over by that junkyard. You Seems fucking know that it was Detective Hoffman himself who like yeah, called in that probably. that uh, uh, car accident. He's like, uh, I heard there was a car accident. Oh, where? Uh, in the pile of cars. A oh, car fell. <laughs> and Detective like, Hoffman has, in fact, contacted the police by this point because, like, right after Jill goes to them, he sends them a tape where he basically says, like, give Jill to me and, like, everything will be fine. Otherwise, I'm going to kill everybody. Yes. Because, Live or die. He, like, he makes it clear they're all in a game now. Yeah. Because backstory is it turns out that Hoffman and Detective Gibson have history because Detective yeah. Gibson was beat up by, like, a heroin addict in the streets. Like, the classic quintessential image of the streets in a horror movie, it's, like, rainy in an alley and somebody's warming their hands over, like, an oil canister. <laughs> yes. And um, <laughs> and this guy just, like, beats Detective Gibson and, and is ostensibly about to murder him, but instead Hoffman shoots him three times at very close range, apparently, because blood in the back. Yeah, yeah, in the back. He just like yeah. boom, 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 blows him away. And then he just like sort of smiles at Gibson. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> he actually smiles at him and says, next time, shoot first. <laughs> and um, and Gibson in the voiceover says that he had no choice but to, uh, you know, report Hoffman for police brutality, which like shocking that Hoffman would commit police brutality. No, um, never. Also, another statement piece from Saw, maybe. Um, so the that's like how he gets a message over to Gibson because Gibson like recognizes what's going on. You know, he's like, Oh, well, this is how I know him. Um, but also it makes no sense because Hoffman is basically giving up his identity. So even if they win, like, like if, if the cops win, then they still like, they know who he is. I'm very confused by the whole thing. Like he's <laughs> turning himself in like, 
whatever. Um, uh, everybody knows that Hoffman is the killer at this point. Yeah, but um, if you, I mean, we'll get to. So in the third act, Hoffman, <laughs> Hoffman at this junkyard scene that he brought all the police to, has somehow gotten himself into the body bag, and gotten himself carried back to the morgue, so that the body that they they find that they thought they carried away, like. This other body of a dead person is being used elsewhere as like a decoy, basically. Um, and so it's crazy. It makes no sense. Um, <laughs> um, and like, so half of the cops are here still at this, like this car scene incident, investigating what's going on while Gibson has tracked where he thinks um, uh, Hoffman's warehouse is like where he does all of his work and builds his traps. Mm-hmm. So he has raced to that location with some other people. And um, so the cops are in these two different places. Plus they're at the police station where Jill Tuck is being held in a cell, which is also home of the morgue, I guess. Um, yeah. And so they, um, those are the three different areas that we have in play right now. And Hoffman has gotten himself carried back to the morgue. And in the process, he has set it up so that there, it's very confusing. There is, at the place where Gibson is, he, I guess, sets up an automatic gun to come out of the ground and just shoot all of the cops there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, all of the cops at the police station are gassed. They're, like, locked in a room and just, like, completely gassed. So they all die. Hoffman gets out of his body back at the morgue and just starts stabbing people in the chin and letting them bleed out. <laughs> um in the chin where you stab people it is it is the chin though like that's very important to me because it's the same thing every single time um some people put up a fight um (laughs) you have you have like the one like analyst in her computer room who the one who like tracked uh hoffman's warehouse um he she like puts up a fight but he still kills her ultimately by snapping her neck um but for the most part nobody really puts up much of a fight because he sneaks up on them and so then he gets to Jill, ultimately. Um, and so he and Jill have a little game of cat and mouse briefly, but Jill is ultimately captured. Um, <laughs> and as punishment for what she did to him last movie, he puts the reverse bear trap on her. And this yeah. time it fully deploys. Uh, yeah. We see Jill Tuck's face just like ripped open. Um, in 3D, of in course. In 3D, yes. Uh, it is really disgusting. It's um, gruesome. Um, we've basically been building since Saw One to finally getting to see someone executed by the bear trap, and uh, it like edged us in Saw Six, but uh, this time it took us all the way. Um, (laughs) and um, it was a it was a wet one. Oh gosh! (laughs) Um, so explosion. Hoffman then leaves this scene of this crime and goes to just like burn down his entire warehouse, basically. Um. And I don't, yeah, so he goes to burn down his warehouse, which is why none of it makes sense to me. Because I guess, like, if if he was going to burn everything down, that implies he's trying to erase the evidence that it was him who did it. But everybody already knows it's him. So if the cops had won his little game, then everybody would know it was him no matter if he burned down his warehouse. So I'm very confused. Yeah, I don't know. I think the cops don't, like, send their information to any outside sources ever. So, like, it doesn't matter if he killed all the ones there. People are still going to know it was him. Yeah, there's like a scene near the beginning where he like he burns all of his IDs because he knows he's burned. But I'm like, why? Like, why even bother doing that? Like, 
Yeah. It's not like the fact that your IDs exist is what's damning. Like it's that people know who you are. Yeah. Like you could just throw them away or just leave them there. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. Um, so he's burning down his entire warehouse <laughs> and on his way out of the warehouse, <laughs> he is attacked by not one, not two, but three pig masks. A whole um, gang of pig masks here. Yes. So they attack him and one of the pig masks pulls off their pig mask and it is none other than Dr. Lawrence Gordon, survivor of the original Saw movie. It's uh, Dr. Gordon and he's alive. <laughs> it is best um, twist ever. It, yeah, that's honestly that's like the best part of the movie is that this happens. Um and that's awesome. Yeah. Fan fan theory for many movies finally became reality yeah uh he then takes there's a lot that gets revealed about um dr gordon and how he got to this point um we'd already seen dr gordon once earlier in the movie Uh, well technically twice but like in the present once and so we we knew he was alive at this point um but we didn't know he was in on anything um it turns out from this moment, we find out, and via one of Saw's many 8,000 montages and, like, uh, editing, that Jigsaw had tasked Gordon with sort of overseeing everything. Like, staying in the shadows, not being, like, a known part of the games, even to, like, Amanda and Hoffman. Yeah. But, like, there was a deal that if anything happens to Jill, Gordon would avenge her. Um, yeah. So, first of all, Gordon acts quickly. I mean, he moves fast. Like, I don't even know how, like, we hear a news report while Hoffman's burning his warehouse that, like, uh, Jill Tuck, wife of serial killer John Kramer, was found dead. And it's like, first of all, how is this being reported already? Second of all, how does Gordon have time to mobilize an attack on Hoffman? But whatever, that's fine. Um, uh, he, he probably got ready like as soon as he knew that she was in custody and that. Hoffman yeah. And the game, he, once everything. the game was going on, he probably knew. Um. So it also is revealed that Gordon was involved in some of the more like medically difficult traps. Uh, yeah, such as he did all the key... surgery. Yes, he put the key behind the eye and saw two in the opening trap. Um, the trap where we previously mentioned the video for set off like a flurry of fan theories for years to come. Yeah, um, it was, was finally the confirmed that the, the theory limp. was right. Yeah, was in f- the limp was in fact because it was Gordon with his yes. missing foot. Because Gordon was rescued by Jigsaw after he escaped, and Jigsaw just said congratulations, and like, because Gordon cauterizes his wound on a steam pipe, um, and like, yeah. and Jigsaw finds him and like rescues him from death, the death that he like inflicted on him, and um, <laughs> he's like, haha, I saved you, I did this to you, but I saved you, so, um, yeah. and he like does this weird thing where we have to watch him baptize Gordon. I don't know if you caught that imagery, um. Where he like sprinkles the water yeah, on Glenn's head. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but, um, and that's weird. And so Gordon has been involved for a while, but like was basically just overseeing things and helping with some of the more like difficult parts. I don't know why he would agree to help, but whatever. Um, I guess he had nothing. I don't know. He still has a wife and daughter who didn't die. Um, just so we're all clear. Like, it's not like he had nothing else to live for, but. Um, yeah. And, and he, it seems like other than, uh, missing a foot, he pretty much just goes back to being a 
uh, doctor and we like, know this. having everything else. <laughs> we know he does because he has he still has his office at the same hospital. Yeah. Because Jill Tuck puts like messages in his door as we're revealed as it gets revealed in this montage, all these times that we've seen her do that in previous movies, she was giving passing messages on to Dr. Gordon. Um, yeah. So he like pretty much just comes back and is like, Hey guys, I was in a jigsaw trap, got my leg cut off, but otherwise everything's a okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and he then, like offered up Lynn Denlin. <laughs> <laughs> and then like nobody else mentions like, the, yes, he did. He, he basically said like, Oh, she'd be great for this. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody he works with. Yeah. Uh, even though, isn't he like a neurosurgeon himself? So also he'd be great for it, but um, <laughs> like, okay. So he, in the process of one of my favorite voiceover moments is that John Kramer is saying all these things to, to, um, to Gordon in the past, I guess. And he's like, I promise in exchange for helping J- Jill Tuck after avenging her, I will keep no more secrets from you. There are many things, you know, now, but there's one thing. I still have not told you one location I have not given you. And he drags Hoffman into the bathroom from Saul one. And I love this on multiple levels because one, I love that that bathroom is like a secret. Like it's like some secret location that even Gordon didn't know, even though he spent some very, a very formative day of his life in there. Like, um, I love that we go back to the bathroom. That's exciting. We haven't been there in a while, but isn't the bath. We Isn't know the that bathroom... the bathroom underneath the nerve gas house. Yes, exactly. Um, so it can't be that hidden. Um, <laughs> also, I just want to yeah. reiterate the question of why does this bathroom exist at the end of this long, twisty hallway underneath the nerve gas house? Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, he leaves Hoffman to die in the bathroom. Uh, in yeah. the process, we get an awesome moment where Hoffman tries to pick up a little little saw to cut off his foot. And Gordon says, don't think so. And picks it up, <laughs> throws it at the camera, and literally says, I don't think so. Which is yeah. fucking hilarious. He just kind of shakes his head. I'm like, god damn. Carrie Elwes, you're like playing it up to the hilt. And so he gets the final game over, which is pretty awesome. I yeah. mean. Um, Getting to so. hear Gordon say game over and then slam the door to the yeah. same bathroom, leaving Hoffman in there to die. That's pretty yes. awesome. Yeah. So... That is the ending of Saw 7 or Saw the final 3D, chapter. the final chapter. That is our final end to this franchise here. It sure is. I, I, I think that that part is pretty good. Um, I agree with that, yeah. The stuff with Gordon, I really like. The whole mess of the rest of the plot, um, it's kind of a doozy. But we'll get into that. Um some more stuff about Gordon's reveal and everything. I, I like the way they did it here. Um, they show early on the scene of him um, like crawling out of the bathroom with his stump leg and cauterizing it on the pipe. And yeah. then that, that's all you see at first. You see that. Um, so you know that he at least survived that much. Um, then you see... Definitely, definitely. I was gonna say probably, but definitely my favorite scene in the movie: a scene where he interrupts um, this self-help meeting that's being conducted by Bobby Dagan, um, where he's like promoting his book and everything. And it's a self-help group 
for Jigsaw survivors. Oh, yes. Which I love the fact that at this point, there are so many people who've been through Jigsaw traps that they have their own self-help group. It's pretty surprising that that many of them are alive. Yeah. Um, they definitely, they had to throw a few in that we hadn't seen before so that we could actually get a full group of survivors. Yeah. But um, they, they, we did get to see some people who we'd seen before. Um, obviously we saw Gordon, uh, yes. and we also saw the woman who had to cut off her arm at the beginning of Saw 6. Yes. We also saw, um, Phyllis from The Office, uh, from Saw 6. Um, we got to oh, see yeah. the mom, the, the, um, the mom in Saw 6 who was like in that final part of the trap where she was like, her son pulls the lever that kills him. Um, yeah. Uh, we got to see her. We see, um... <laughs> We see Malik, our favorite uh, tweaked out uh, rich kid arsonist. Um, it's like we see a lot of people. Honestly. Oh, I didn't realize Malik was in there. So I guess yeah. he survived uh, the the arm slicing trap. He must have. His arm fell open, but he's okay. Um, <laughs> so, he yeah, we get to see a number of people. Out of it. Yeah. Um, so that whole scene, uh, it, it starts out kind of meh. And then gets better and better. Um, basically, the way it works is uh, Bobby's running this meeting, and you get to see um, a bunch of the different victims there tell their stories, um, and you get flashbacks of their traps. So um, one of them we hadn't seen before, and this one was really cool. Um, this woman, like, apparently uh, was in the trap with her husband. And they're both hanging on like these spiky bars over like a sea of lawnmowers with the <laughs> blades turned up towards them. Yes. <laughs> and the way it just cuts from that meeting to just this downward shot of the two of them dangling over this sea of lawnmowers is just the craziest thing. Ever. It is pretty crazy. <laughs> it looks really cool. I'm like, I really want to see more of this scene. <laughs> Yeah, I really want to see more of that, too. I want to know why they were there. I want to know what they had to do other than not fall. Um, yeah. Um, Apparently, she had to, like, kick him off the bar because um, it's another deal where he was abusive and she had to, like, fight to get rid of him. Right. Uh, it's like a metaphor, you know. Yeah, um, so... <laughs> She talks about that and it like she like starts crying in the meeting and she's like, you know, I changed because of him, blah, 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 blah. Um, however, uh, Simone, the girl who cut off her arm in, at the, in the opening trap of Saw 6, feels very differently. And she's like, you know, the best thing that happened to me since, <laughs> since I survived my jigsaw trap, I get the handicap parking space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's still upset about her arm. Just as I she don't was blame her. I think she has the right attitude. These people who are like thankful to jigsaw have the raw they have like severe stockholm syndrome or something they yeah. they need some help um so I simone is the only well-adjusted person here like <laughs> right she's like are you kidding me i lost my damn arm yeah uh i did think it was kind of funny that this movie sort of took on the self-help industry we've seen a number of different industries uh taken on by saw here We've had the police, we've had the doctors, we've had um, health insurance, health insurance, we've had real estate developers, yep. and 
Now, finally, we have self-help, which is a little ironic because like Jigsaw's whole thing is supposed to be self-help, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, these people are supposed to be fighting for their survival. But um, he doesn't like other kinds of self-help. Only no, his only way. his kind of self-help. Um, <laughs> and the movie seems to lean into his kind of self-help too. So I would watch out for any of these screenwriters. Um, because it's definitely a shady view of the other kinds of self-help here. Um, but yeah, I do think that's interesting too. I also think it's interesting uh, that connected to that is like just the idea of like publicity and legacy that... Um, that this movie's trying to tackle. Like it's talking about like Jigsaw's legacy, like very markedly and like, like truthfulness and in, involved in that legacy, which is really cool. And like public image. Um, right. Which is kind of cool. I don't think the movie fleshed out any of its ideas well enough for it to be really worth having a lengthy discussion on, I guess. But um, <laughs> I do think it was trying. Um, I think that if they had done saw seven and eight, they would have really explored the themes here a lot better. Um, instead of if the, trying to collapse them into one movie. Um, right. Because you can feel that they wanted to like explore more things that they just didn't have time to do because they couldn't really do a movie where they like had the big thematic element and also the movie that wrapped up all of the, the big Saw plots that we've been following for seven movies now. Um, right. Like There were so many questions that they still had to answer all right. in the space of one movie. Right. So Saw 7 was probably meant to be more like what we see in the main trap and the self-help stuff. And then saw eight was probably going to be like the wrap up, you know? Um, but who knows? Yeah. I basically, I get the feeling that like the whole bit at the end with, um, Hoffman blowing up the cops and everything and then getting, um, taken down by the Gordon gang. Basically, could have been a different movie with those scenes taking out, uh, taking place in different settings and over a longer period of time, yeah. um, and a lot more other stuff thrown in. Obviously, right. there would have been more traps in there as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but we're never really going to know what uh, those two movies would have looked like. Um, no, we're not. That's too bad. Alas. Uh, but yeah. So <laughs> in this scene, um. Gordon's appearance here um, takes place after uh, Bobby's given like his whole speech about his time in the trap um, to everyone to like sort of show his strength. And like, it's very dramatic. We get to see him give this speech earlier as well when he's doing a TV appearance and he really like plays it up again this time because he, they're, they're also filming here for like some video he's going to do. Yeah, I gotta um, say, his performance, like, I don't know how anybody from a mile away doesn't realize he's lying. Like, uh, have you ever seen somebody who went through something serious in public talk about it? it that's not how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> they don't, like, rip open their shirt for you. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So his his trap that he was supposedly in was that he had to pierce these hooks into his pecs and then pull himself up by pulling the chains and then lifting himself up by his pecs, basically. Yes, and then and, you con connecting a circuit, basically. Yeah. Um, so he shows these scars that he got on his chest, supposedly from this trap. Um, obviously, it's all bogus, um, as we find out later. But and, but I think we get the feeling from seeing this stuff early on that this is not genuine at all. 
Yeah, we figure uh, it out pretty he's pretty quickly. It. Uh, and Gordon definitely knows that he's faking it. Uh, but he doesn't let it on uh, right away. He does, however, start like doing a slow clap <laughs> right after <laughs> Bobby finishes his speech, and then he's like, "Very well done." <laughs> he gives like he gives this very dramatic bit. Like we are so glad we could be part of your video. <laughs> he's like so over the top in camp. Um, oh, he is. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to put in the clip of him giving this little talk here, uh, if I can find it. Bravo. To be able to sustain such a traumatic experience and uh, and yet find the positive in that grisly act. It's a remarkable feat indeed. Remarkable. If not a little perverse. I'm sure I speak for everyone here when I say how grateful we are to be part of your promotional DVD. Thank you. So it's so over the top. He's like, he's really bringing the camp here. Yes. Um, it's like, it just reminds me of like an old, like Vincent Price role, like, and like, yes. like a really old horror movie. Like, <laughs> exactly. So ridiculous. Or like a Bond villain or something. I especially yeah. just love the slow clap at the beginning. God. And he. He walks over um, with the cane, obviously, because he's missing his foot. Uh, yeah. So he's really like he's really looking like some sort of villain here. Um, so yeah, you sort of this is another scene you see Gordon early on. You're like, oh, Gordon's still in the mix. This is interesting. He definitely seems a little different, a little more dark and mysterious than he was in the first <laughs> one. Uh, yeah. And, but just as campy as always, if not a little so more campy. so. Uh, it's great. It's very good. Yeah, I really love that scene. Good scene. One of the better ones in Saw 7. There aren't that many good moments. Yeah. Okay, so we've gone over the plot. We've gone over Gordon's particular importance. Yes. Um, let's do the traps. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start with, um, I'd say the most absurd trap. Um, possibly, I don't know. I don't want to say that's ever been done in Saw, uh, but just the circumstances are probably the most absurd. Okay. This, this whole outdoor mall trap. Oh my gosh! So the 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 fact that this thing exists sort of gives you a sense that maybe at some point they had a like a much wider idea of what the saw movies were going to be here that they were going to take saw global that they were going to make it so it was happening in public away like not in these little hidden warehouses place places but that like people would be involved and i think that this scene was shown in the trailer 
And that gave people the idea that that's the direction they were going here. Right. Which is not the direction that it ended up going. Um, no. This scene I, is very disconnected from the rest of the movie. It, Yeah. The only thing that I can think of that like still connects it in any way is that um, I do think it is like a lot about this trap, like thematically it was trying to be about like, first of all, it's about like duplicitousness. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. about like this woman who like played both of these men and like she lied to them and lies are big in this one because that's the whole Bobby Dagan thing. He's lying about being in, right. in a trap. Um, And I also think that the fact that it's like, in the public like everybody can watch is very similar to the themes of bobby dagan's supposed journey because his is all about like how he's lying to the public and like his his, like perception in the public eye so i think that that's like a big part of it um i think thematically it is kind of linked but from like a narrative standpoint nothing literally nothing Oh, well, good analysis. I like that. I, I like the idea that it uh, has a thematic connection, at least. Um, yeah. Well, it's like in Saw 6, the opening trap about, like, the uh, the the lenders who were, like, you know, really predatory and were harming the people that they loaned money to and how that's connected to the health insurance plot, like, just yeah. on a thematic level. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that. Yeah, that one, that one, the connection is pretty clear, I think. Um, so yeah, this, this trap, as we mentioned, takes place in public. Um, it's the first one of its kind in that regard. These, uh, these people wake up in a a storefront window on like, uh, like an outside. Yeah. It's like a plaza somewhere. It's, it's kind of unclear, um, if there's like a lot of other stores around, but you can definitely see like an outdoor plaza. There's a lot of people around. Don't really know what time of day it is, but um, like (laughs) the people are like looking in this window and they see these guys like chained to a table with saws on it, like two saw blades poking up from it. Um, Correct. (laughs) And as they wake up and realize they're chained to this table, they're trying to escape and they're like, you're here, you're here. Um, yeah, they and, really, they know one another and they're not happy to see one another. No. Also, it's and, worth mentioning that their names are Brad and Ryan, which are the most, like, we're 20-year-old D-bags from small-town <laughs> South um, names ever, so. It's a very specific uh, type of guy, I guess. They probably both drive Chevy Silverados, um, so. <laughs> they probably both root for Bama. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> we're not about that here all right um, all right um so uh as they're like freaking out about what's going on a little billy the puppet like kind of wheels in on his tricycle from the corner which i always love when the puppet is, is a little more mobile hilarious here <laughs> it's so funny and at this point there's like a lot of people gathered around watching yeah. this and yeah, like we get the people trying to break it open with our suitcase like the glass doesn't work um it's totally like they're like trying to like knock on it it's like you're not getting it this is clearly like bulletproof glass yeah i um, like the idea that like a storefront would have just like standard glass thanks guys y'all really yeah. thought it like really smart um so they're like trying to call the police or something at this point but i find it funny that when like the puppet wheels out that nobody's like oh my god it's jigsaw or something like that well because nobody (laughs) knows shit about jigsaw in this universe apparently like (laughs) despite the fact that he's been on like magazine covers and on his victims get to be like all over the news like 
Yeah. But nobody knows anything. I mean, maybe the they public never, never knows it. anything. I don't know. Um, maybe it's all a commentary on how just like ill-informed Americans are in general. Well, it kind of is in this one because nobody can like because here nobody can like figure out how to do anything. Um, even though it seems like they have plenty of time for the cops to get there and get in. I'm just gonna. I'm. I gotta say. Um, yeah. I mean, this was like on a big uh public place you assume that there'd be cops somewhere nearby yeah could have gotten there within a couple minutes it's also unclear how i mean how did they how did they get put into the trap without anyone noticing and then wake up when there were a bunch of people around before anyone noticed that they were there how long were they just sitting there in that window and nobody saw them yeah so anyway billy the puppet is like I want to play a game. Um, you both are being played by the same girl. And while he's saying it, above them, there is this like blanketed thing and the blanket literally just disappears. Like it's very, un- I don't understand what happens. The blanket just like flings off. And I'm like, where did that go? And how? Like, <laughs> like and it reveals a girl who's strapped above them, hanging, like looking straight down. And she's above another saw blade that's sticking straight up. Um, and it basically turns out that she is dating both of them and lying to both of them and trying, she's basically using them as sugar daddies, it implies. So they're just like, they're stealing and stuff to like buy her things. I don't know. It was very confusing. Um, yeah, it was like, you both had to like commit crimes or something for yeah. her or whatever. So basically they can either, the two guys can either one of them kill the other and then the one guy and the girl will live or the girl can die and they both of the guys live. Um, yeah. There's like this setup with the middle saw blade where um, like they can move it to the side so it won't kill her. But in the process, they'll pull the other guy into the saw blade on his side. Right. So it's like one person here has to die and um, basically the guys have to fight over who's who it's going to be. Or right. they can work together. And and they have like it. a minute to do it or something like that. Everybody's screaming outside. Everybody's like, somebody help them. You help them. <laughs> and um, do anything, please. Yeah. They all just like pound on the window. I like the people who do that. They're like pounding on the window like, help. It's like, you don't, you shouldn't be doing this. They, they should, should be, be like, screaming for, for help. They should be like, smacking on the glass like at a hockey game. Like, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. Trying to hype them up. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> um, they start the game starts and they're like flinging the saws at one another because of course they're dudes so they're like they their first instinct is like nope we just got to kill each other um and it's stupid and above them dina i guess is her name she's like oh like brad you have to kill him you have to kill him i love you i i never lied to you and he's like okay but then he gets sawed in the chest briefly. So she turns to the other guy and she's like, Ryan, you have to kill him. You have to kill him. I, I don't love him. I, I, I love you. It's always been you. And I'm like, first of all, you're the worst player in the world. Like <laughs> you're like, you're you're giving your game away so easily here. Yeah, this is stupid. Like they we're in the same room. They can hear you. Um, you can all hear also, like, so hey. Worth noting, apparently everybody outside can hear them. There's like some way it's like the audio is being projected to them. They all know what's going on. Um, yeah, they're definitely like speakers so, there because you can. You, there are several shots outside where you can see, you can hear like the tinny audio coming out that everyone can yeah, hear. Yeah, right. 
So, uh, which is another reason I think it's thematically relevant that like they're being watched and heard. Like everybody's hearing their dirty laundry. Like, um, so Very it's good. like really bizarre. But in the end, they decide that they they're like, she's been lying to us. It's not worth it, bro. You get it, bro. And they have a bro moment. Um, like bro, and- bro, 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 bro. Um, so they they kill him. <laughs> they kill her. Sorry. Um, yeah. They let her get lowered down onto the saw blade. We get to see the movie's most cartoonish blood to date. And I mean, it looks like almost orange. It's pr- about half an hour later in this movie, but yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I said to date. Um, True. So, <laughs> um, and she's dead and the two guys win and they show up in the help circle too. Um, they're, they're oh. there. So jeez, I need to go back and like, look through all those people in that uh self-help group i believe i believe they are also according to producers they're the ones who also are with dr gordon in the other two pig masks when um, when he attacks um hoffman oh that's interesting so yeah. this is like a recruitment test yeah well, aren't apparently every jigsaw trap is Teddy? What are you thinking? Yeah. Um, what <laughs> if that you survive whole... a jigsaw trap? You have two options: you can become bitter, or you can help jigsaw. What if instead, in that scene where um, Bobby is like monologuing at everyone, like he suddenly discovered that literally everyone else in that room was a jigsaw apprentice, and they all just turned on him, like, <laughs> yeah, and just murdered him? Yeah. Like um, that scene in uh, Inspector where James Bond is in <laughs> oh god <laughs> is in the Spectre headquarters. Yeah, all just suddenly look at him. Yeah, yeah, That'd be pretty right. cool. That would have been good, but that's not what happened. Movie over yeah. right there. Um, yeah, but so yeah, that opening trap is absurd. The whole thing is ridiculous. I don't understand really how nobody can help him help them at all. Um, I the premise is ridiculous. It's like. Are these like high schoolers? Like, <laughs> like that's for real. Like the angle here, like they're like fighting over a girl. So you're going to kill them. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Jigsaw. Um, I have to stop saying, okay, Jigsaw, because, well, I guess Jigsaw still works. Hoffman is Jigsaw now, but it's not John Kramer at that point. Right. right? But it's clear that, I mean, a lot of the planning is still, like leftover John Kramer plans at this point. Yeah, I wonder how far out he planned. Like because <laughs> Bobby's whole trap here definitely has a very like personal touch from John Kramer to it. Right. So and it would. Um yeah. It's it's unclear how much of this has already been planned out. But right. definitely some of it. So that that is a mess. Um yes. The skinhead trap. Um, first of uh, all, yeah. <laughs> where to even begin with this? First of all, I love the way that uh, Jigsaw leads off with this one. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you and your friends are all racists. Yep, it's like blunt. Um, <laughs> But that's all he says about it. He's yeah. not like you you guys did like all these hate crimes and stuff like that. And like apparently if you read more into it, they're like a, a skinhead gang. And I mean you can you know, get that so from them, yeah. You can you can 
read between the lines as to what they've probably been doing. But like he literally says nothing. He's like, you're racists. You're all going to die. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so uh, the main guy in this trap is uh, played by Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Late, late Chester Bennington, RIP. So Chester um, Bennington lobbied for this because he liked the movie so much. I'm glad he got put in it. You know, uh, he's also in uh, Crank. Yes, that is a great true. cameo in that. His role here is a little more involved. Um, um, also in this in this in this scene, uh, worth mentioning the the girl who plays his girlfriend, <laughs> um, Kara is her name. Although we don't learn anything about her because she gets her like face and body done in with a tire. Um, <laughs> Was the winner of the show Scream Queens, that reality show that gave Simone, who cut her arm off in Saw 6, her role in Saw 6. <laughs> so to, to win the second season, you got to be Kara in The the Racist Trap, um, which is ridiculous because there is a large gap in quality of role here. I mean, like it's yeah. a chasm. Like, <laughs> I mean, Simone even got to come back for this one. So she got two. And she has like a speaking her. role. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, she had a very involved scene in the last one too. Um, yeah, yeah. This one, Kara, is a very minor role. All you basically see is her get killed by this car trap. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, Evan, played by Chester Bennington, is the main uh, victim in this trap, and his his task here is well. First of all. The, the task is read out to him on an eight-track tape in this old yes. car that he's in, which I yes. think is a very funny touch. Yes. Um, of course, there's an eight-track in there. Right. Um, so his task is that he's in this car, um, and he's glued to the seat of it. Like which is all ridiculous. Um, absurd. Absolutely absurd. Um so he has to um, reach this lever that's somehow on the roof of the car. Don't ask me how that works. Um, and he has to pull this lever to stop everything. And if he doesn't stop it within this certain amount of time, um, then the car is going to drop off the jack that it's on. And in the process, it's first going to, the wheel is going to crush his girlfriend's face and like just tear it off. Yeah. Then as the car begins to drive forward, it's there. His other friend who's behind him with um, a hook attached to his mouth and to his arms. Uh, it's going to pull his jaw off and his arms. Yes. And then it's going <laughs> to, it's going to crash through the door of the garage they're in, which his other friend is chained to, and it's going to kill him there. Yes. And then presumably the car is going to crash somewhere and Evan's going to die in that crash. Right. Uh, <laughs> which is also, I guess, the crash that brings the cops here later, by the way. Yes. Um, yes. That that infamous junkyard crash. Yeah. Uh, so that's absurd. Like, yes. first of all, so he's glued to this seat and presumably in order to reach this lever, he's going to have to rip the skin off his back because it's glued so hard to the seat. But 
like there's just no way in hell that would ever happen no like either either you'd somehow manage to rip the glue or you'd rip the seat or you wouldn't get off at all there's just no way that you could pull the skin off your back even a little bit just by like pulling forward that would never happen there is no way um my guess is like maybe he like cut his skin a little bit first so that like the skin was already ready to come off that might be yeah that might be it because it does kind of look like it's already bleeding and stuff um he must have like made it ready to come off because otherwise it would not come off but also ripping the all of the skin off of the back of off of someone's back and the back of their arms like they would bleed out i'm pretty sure pretty quickly yeah Um, like that's a lot of exposed like uh, that's just a lot so um yeah it's a pretty ridiculous trap it's also ridiculous because the other three people involved literally can't do a thing Um, (laughs) they just have to stand there with like really horrified looks on their face um and i love how when um how the tape reveals that his other friends are there too like it's like you and your friends and then lights show up to shine on their faces oh yes to reveal (laughs) them in this dark garage just like oh my god this is so over the top the Um, dramatics yes and his big tagline here is um like you judge people by the color of their skin but you will see that underneath the skin, we are all the same color. Yeah. Fuck you, Jigsaw. Great stuff. Um, (laughs) Uh, So, like, as soon as this tape stops, the car starts, like, revving up, uh, getting ready for its forward trip. Uh, Like, a heavy metal song. I just wish the car could have just, like, failed. Um, Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, there is, like, a heavy metal song blasting. (laughs) And and Chester Bennington is trying to pull forward to reach this lever, and he's screaming. And I gotta say, best screams in the Saw franchise. He's really nailing it. You yeah. can tell he has practiced screaming professionally. Yes. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing those musician screams. He's doing like a wow. Like, <laughs> he's not just like yelling or stuff. He's doing right. really good screams. Um, love that. Um, he's pulling some of the skin off his back. It's like separating out. It looks pretty gross. It does. Uh, I mean, he, he honestly gets pretty close. He does. I mean, way closer than I would have imagined you could. Yeah. But he does not make it. No. And all of the aforementioned events take place. Yes. Um, it's quite gruesome. My favorite part is definitely when the car pulls forward and pulls off that guy's jaw and his arms. Oh, yeah. All in one go. It's just like, zoop. Yep. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, crashes through the other guy. Um, And then after the car goes through the garage door, it crashes into a bunch of other cars. And um, Evan comes flying through the windshield, rips all the skin off his back, and then he smashes into another car, presumably dies here. Although, you know, really, like, either he or the guy who was um, on the, um, the guy who was attached to the garage door could have theoretically survived. Yeah. They both just, you know, it's about as dangerous as being in a car wreck would be, which you could survive. Yeah. Um, The other two are probably pretty dead. (laughs) Uh, The Kara is definitely dead. 
Yeah, that one, that one's for sure. Yeah, she's gone. Um, and the other guy is too, because we see his body. But um, yes, yeah. Um, so that's that's the skinhead trap. And both of um, those are pretty much unrelated to the main plot. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and so other than that, it's really um, just the main traps. Yeah, it's just the the main sequence of traps. Yes. So, including um, one dream sequence trap. I guess yes, there is a okay. dream sequence trap. Yes. Let's go over the dream sequence first. There's a. Yes. Cu- I think there's a couple of dream sequences that Jill Tuck has during this movie. Um, they're all kind of fake outs about Hoffman getting her, and you know, you at first think that they're real, and then you see her wake up. Like she doesn't she imagine him like strangling her in the jail cell. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So so there's that. And then there's also this crazy elaborate one where um, she wakes up and he's chained her standing up on some sort of railroad track somewhere. I yes. can't tell whether the, where this is supposed to be because uh, it's not like it's in a train station or something. It's like a private railroad track it's somewhere. It's really weird. Maybe it's in like a mine and there's like a mine yes. car track. I don't know. Um, but and in this dream sequence, we get to hear Hoffman say the words to Jill. You know, Jill, the only bad thing about killing you is that I only get to do it once. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love yeah. that line. Um, and he's got this insane contraption in front of him with... It's like a mine car type thing on yes. these tracks. And it's got like a humongous like arrowhead type spike on the front of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that looks like something that like Wiley Coyote would come up with. It absolutely does. This is 100% a Wiley Coyote trap. Yes. And he just like starts this thing barreling towards Jill. And you can see her like screaming and everything. And then the thing runs into her full force. And you see her body like tear into four different quadrants and go flying everywhere. At the camera. Yeah, at the camera, of course, in glorious 3D. Yes. And then you see her wake up in bed all frightened. Yes. Um, so <laughs> it's this, ridiculous. There's no point to this scene other than just to show this ridiculous trap they came they up wanted with. To, they wanted to use the 3D to show body parts flying at the camera. Yeah. Because they otherwise don't do that in this movie. Like, nobody really gets, like, dismembered that way. So they were like, oh, we have to do this somehow. It gave them an excuse to use some of the ugliest filtering I have ever seen in a movie in my life. That scene where in the dream sequence, she like, it shows her like walking out of the police station or whatever at night. And there is this blue fog that is one of the most heinous things I have ever witnessed. (laughs) It looks so fake. It's like very clear that they like add, they layered it on after filming. Like it wasn't like there. She did not see the fog herself. Jill Tug Mm -hmm. saw no fog. Um, (laughs) Like, it is so bad and it's like this like frigid blue and then the warehouse is like this terrible yellow like it is one of the worst things i've ever experienced um <laughs> good for you saul um <laughs> yeah um this whole the whole scene just looks really cartoony and weird um and definitely made for the 3D yes but lots of fun and i'm pretty sure that at least part of this scene was in the trailers as well so it was. already 
already here, the trailers have given a very um, strange perception of what the movie would actually be like versus yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what we got. Yeah. Um, yeah. The trailers for this one are weird and very are. deceptive. So other than this, we just have Bobby's world. Bobby's Bobby. whole traps. Uh, poor Bobby. What will we do with him? So well, um, he sucks. Yeah, he, he kind of sucks. He gets kidnapped after his little self-help meeting ends. Mm-hmm. Um, he wakes up inside this funny little cage. It's like a like a bird cage sized for a human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's lying on the ground. So he's like lying in this cage. Um. I don't know where this is supposed to be like where this is that there's like this winch system for the cages where all these cages are from. Oh, I've given up on all of that. Um, (laughs) We don't know where this is. It's a warehouse somewhere. Yes. Um, So he wakes up. There's a video there to tell him that like, uh, like, Oh, you claim to have been a survivor of a jigsaw trap, but I don't recall ever putting you in one of my traps. But we both know you weren't in my traps. And um, then he reveals that he has to save all the people who have been working with him to uh, fabricate this lie. Um, Within an hour, I think, is the time frame. Yes, it's an hour, yeah. Um, Otherwise, uh, his wife is going to die. So he's got... It's another series of challenges. It's kind of... Similar to the Saw 6 sequence, uh, only not quite as much fun. The traps aren't really as interesting here. Right. But uh, it's it's the same basic idea. The The way this his trap gets kicked off, though, I think is particularly funny. Because the, the spikes? Yeah. <laughs> he's in this he's in this cage, and after the tape ends this chain that it's attached to like pulls it onward into the next room and like lifts, like starts pulling it up towards the ceiling. So it's actually hanging down like a bird cage. And then the bottom drops off and he's like left hanging from the bottom of the cage over this set of spikes. Yeah. So he has to like find a way to get out of the cage and not land on the spikes. Yeah. So, I mean, the way he ends up doing it is by swinging the cage enough so that he can swing over the spikes and to safety. Right. Um, it's sort of like a Nathan Drake from Uncharted moment there. Um, but I, I also felt like he could have just sort of lowered himself down between the spikes. Like they oh, were probably, yeah. that closely put together. And by the time the thing had stopped moving... Like he could have just, I don't know, lowered himself down. He probably could have, yeah. Probably could have even like landed on those things. They didn't even look really that sharp. No, they didn't. <laughs> but no. it, it's another thing, like you know, when Jeff wakes up in the box in the right. start and, of Saw Three, <laughs> and he has to like knock himself off of a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's doesn't really feel like this was meant to be a dangerous trap at any point in time. It was like just there to fuck with Bobby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's like, probably, Oh, here you yeah. go. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I love so, that, that, that that level of dramatic flair is always involved. Very much so. Um, so then the next three traps are themed around the three wise monkeys. No, oh, God. Hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil. Yes. Um, and each of them has somebody who's been working with him on this whole self-help thing. His um, his publicist, I think, is the one with the fish hook in her stomach. Yes, that is correct. So he, she has this fish hook in her stomach, and she's like, she's locked into this thing. That's the best <laughs> way weird to describe it. Co- it's like a big collar, and it's yes. got three spikes pointing at her throat uh, yes. nearby. And um, so in order to unlock her from this collar, he has to pull the key out of her stomach where it's attached with a fish hook attached to a line. Fishing line, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, every time the sound level in this room goes over a certain degree, um, the spikes are going to start moving towards her throat. Right, so it'll kill her much faster. Yeah, and I think there's also a time limit here as well. There is, yeah. So, Um, it's a ridiculous trap. It's kind of like a much more complicated, weirder version of the breathing trap from Saw 6. A little bit, yeah. Um, And it's like, it doesn't make really any sense. I don't know how the the key and hook got in there or whatever. Um, (laughs) It's more, more work for Dr. Gordon. Yes, and she, like, can't stop screaming, like, and he doesn't really help. Instead of, like, being, like, a kind friend, he's like, shut up, can't you just shut up? And it's like, yeah, that's helping, like. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, holding his hand over her mouth and stuff and, like, right. He's he's not great at coaching people through any of these traps. Which is crazy because he's trying to be, like, a self-help guru. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this is like his profession. Yeah. Um but yeah, so he he fails on this one cuz like he pretty much gets the key out, but then he but, can't put it in a lock, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. As like, soon as he does, like she screams more and like it it's all over. They all go through her throat and a bunch yeah. of blood comes out and stuff. And yes. then, like after she's dead, he's yelling at her like, why couldn't you just shut up? I know. <laughs> like, well, she's dead. So uh, move on. I don't know if I'd be kicking her while she's down. Like that's, that's yeah. not really it's fair. Not, it seems unfair. So he, and that was the, uh, the, the speak no evil for the yeah. publicist. So he moves on to go into the next room where he finds his lawyer, um, and this is going to be the see no evil trap. And mm-hmm. she is stuck in this giant contraption where she's like basically laying horizontally. And Jigsaw Tape tells Bobby that if he doesn't do his part, it will rotate her forward and spikes will impale her eyes and mouth. So this yeah. is the see no evil. Um and what he has to do is in the 60 seconds on the timer, somewhere in that 60 seconds or whatever, for 30 seconds, he has to step into this contraption, which will have him hoisting this heavy thing on his shoulders while these two small sp- spikes impale his sides. So cause himself minor pain for 30 seconds. 
so that she can live or let her be impaled. And old Bobby, uh, old Bobby chooses the, not to do that. Yes. Uh, she can't, dies. Quite, can't quite pull it off. And luckily in the process, we get, we're treated to some nice 3d imagery of spikes coming out of the screen at our, at our eyes. Uh, <laughs> so thanks. Like Bobby. We all asked for Yes. Yeah. Um, um, but otherwise she is slowly impaled on these spikes. I mean, it's like a, it definitely isn't moving quickly. It's just like, she's like, yeah, very slowly approaching the spikes and then goes right through them. Yeah. It's not pretty. Um, he does not save her because he sucks once again. I mean, this is like a, a definitively he sucked in the last trap. At least his partner just sucked and couldn't stop screaming. And this one, it's like you couldn't just hold that thing for thirty seconds. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it really didn't seem like it should have been that hard. I mean, he looks like he was probably strong enough to hold it up. Uh, the things jab it into his sides while they probably hurt. They really weren't like causing any serious damage. Right. Because like afterwards, he just like walks away like it's nothing. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, not <laughs> that's so great there, Bobby. No. Um. The next one, um, the hear no evil trap, is uh, Bobby's best friend, Kale, who's also been helping him out on this. And he's in a room where um, there's like practically no floorboards in this room. There's just like kind of beams that are across the room at weird angles joining up with each other. And then other than that, there's just no floor. It's like a one-story drop all the way down to the next floor. Right. And he has to guide Kale through this. um, He has to get the key for Kale's, this harness that Kale is wearing around Mm -hmm. his neck. Um, And he has to get the key to Kale all while guiding Kale across these boards uh, before the time runs out, otherwise this um, like this thing that's attached to Kale is going to hang him. It's just going to pull him up by his neck. Right. And um, so he's like he's coaching him through all this stuff. And to be fair, he does like an okay job here. Yes. Kind of tell. I I do love where he says like, "Be careful! A lot of the floor is missing." <laughs> I'm like, that's an understatement. Yeah, it's like the whole floor is there's like no floor at all. Yeah. Uh, And and in Bobby's defense, Kale is like maybe the worst partner ever to have for this. Like he is like the least chill person in this moment ever. Yeah. I mean, I understand not being chill, but he is like, man, trying to direct that man would be a pain. He's like freaking out the whole time and like trying to look around. It's like you can't you can't see anything. He's got a blindfold on, like one of those really heavy like SM blindfolds. Yeah. Uh, so he he clearly can't see a thing. And um so Bobby gets the key and he but he's running out of time. He's only got a few seconds left. So instead of going over to save kale he throws him the key <laughs> oh my god like you and, just threw the key to a man who can't see to catch I'm like there's just no way this is gonna work out well and as you know as always happens in jigsaw movies 
the key is dropped. <laughs> the key is very much dropped. It is it is perhaps the the greatest moment in key drop saw history here. Yeah. As we see the key fall towards the camera in 3D. In 3D. <laughs> you just know that key's reaching out into yep. the audience. People are grabbing for it. Oh, uh, yes. But alas, Kale could not grab for it. No. He does not get the key, and he is hanged by this weird device. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if Saw knew at this point how we all mocked the key fumbles. <laughs> like, and that's why know. they made such a big one that was in 3D and everything. I really feel like this one was put in there for us, pretty much. Yeah, like, pretty much. I mean, I don't know anyone else who's this into Saw key drops. But, Saw uh, key drops are a special brand of entertainment. This is this is the big one. Um. So the next... Oh, so... I can't remember at what point in the proceedings this happens. It doesn't really matter where it is. But, um, you know, Jigsaw is always leaving little taunting messages for the people who are going through the traps. Sure, yeah. Uh, and at one point, um, Bobby finds a signed copy of his book there. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> is dedicated to John, which is John Kramer. And then he has a flashback of uh meeting john kramer at a book signing of his yes um which, oh, God. which is again very much like the scene from saw six where eastman is remembering meeting john at the party <laughs> um, <laughs> but in this one uh john kramer is basically just like um He's like he's like kind of poking holes in his story, um, not really believing him. And eventually, they they just sort of rush him on, call him a crank. Um, but he does get his book signed to John. He does. Yes, which is great. Um, um, I like when he. I like when in the flashback of this scene where he gets the book, John says, "This is a nice cover, but I don't need the picture of you. We've met." Um, and then he leaves the slipcover for the yes. book. Um, it's like a nice, like, and John Kramer is so self-satisfied. He's like, haha, we met just now, but also apparently we met because I'm Jigsaw and you've survived one of my traps. Um, <laughs> which also tells you how far back Bobby's, like, lie has been going. Because it's been going back since Jigsaw was alive. Yeah. And he looks, you know, at least good enough to be up and walking around. Yeah, this what was this, like, Saw, like, pre-Saw 2? Like, yeah, I mean, Saw 2, he already had the oxygen mask. And, and by the end of Saw 2, was... he couldn't be walking around and going into book signings. Yeah. He was, like, uh, a wanted figure. This was probably yet another pre-Saw 1 activity. Yeah, but uh, this guy really, like, made up the lie that early. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, exactly. Why? Why would it be beneficial to claim to be a saw victim after like, like I don't know, two or three of them actually happened? Right. I don't know. But then again, at the same time, we have to question uh, how Hoffman was able to fake a jigsaw murder after not that many had happened. That's true. You're right. That's also a good question. We don't know. Um, there, there might be a ton of jigsaw murders that we don't know about that took place. I mean, we know there murder. are some because there are people in the support group whose traps we never saw. We don't know them, um, right? So, 
I'm willing to bet that lawnmower one was pretty late in the game, though. Yeah, that looks... <laughs> that just screams late-era Saw. It really does. Uh, well, late-era Saw is all about you have to kill one of... One of you must die. Like, like yeah. traps with multiple people where somebody has to die. True. Um. So, then we get this... Uh, after the trap with Kale... We get this other trap where Bobby has to get out of this room to get in to see his wife, who is in the final trap. Okay. Um, yes. I, I'm not... What's There's a time limit in this room, I think. So there's like a... Like, what's, I think, the, what's the ticking time bomb here? There, I think there might be a timer, but I don't really know. Um, the big thing about this room is that he has to find a code on his teeth. <laughs> Yeah. Uh um, he said like the and the the saw line here is like um you have to find a code but getting it will be as hard as pulling teeth. Oh yes. Oh and yes. And then he Beautiful. sees the little diagram of which teeth his <laughs> the the codes are etched into God. and therefore which ones he has to pull out with hey, like So now Dr. Gordon is also a dental um <laughs> dental expert. Yeah, and like not only a dental expert, but like a dental artist as well. Right. Like someone who can like carve numbers into your teeth in the back Which of your disturbing. mouth. Um, yeah, very disturbing. Um, this scene is pretty gross. As somebody gross. who's who has a thing about teeth. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, this, yeah, yeah, this one's pretty rough. Um, I, I'm. Like, kind of shocked he managed to get them out. I don't know if you could actually pull your own teeth that no, easily. Especially those teeth, too. They're, like, at the yeah. back of his mouth. Um, They're, like, his back molars. They yeah. Those are really hard to get out. Yeah. Um. Usually you need surgery for something like that. But yep. this guy's, like, pulling them out full on, no anesthetic. A um, lot of blood comes of out blood. of this one. It's pouring There's, out like, of his, his mouth. Whole shirt is soaked in blood by the end. Although of this. by the next room, he's no longer bleeding from his mouth, so it's fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unclear how that works, but all right. Um, he found some so, cotton balls. That's fine. He like <laughs> sure. he comes in the next day. He's like, "Hi, I'm Josh." Uh, uh, um, uh, so but, he enters the next room, which is where we find Joyce, uh, his wife, finally at long last. Um. Yeah, and she's, she's in quite the predicament. <laughs> yeah, she's chained to the floor, um, by this chain around her neck. Yes, and um, in order to free her, um, Bobby has to basically do what he said that he actually did in the saw trap that he was supposedly in. <laughs> right. He has to hoist himself by these hooks hooked into his pectoral muscles and connect a circuit at the top so that she will be freed. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not possible. <laughs> it turns out not to be as easy as he claimed. And Jigsaw sort of taunts him here for this. He's like, if, as you claim, the pectoral muscles are really very strong, then surely it should be an easy task for you 
After all, you've done it before. Yes. So he, of course, here, he also has to admit to his wife that he lied. She didn't know. Um, yeah. So that was great. Good it's job. also great because Jigsaw knew that the pectoral muscles wouldn't hold him. So basically, from the moment he started this trap, she was going to die. So yeah. um, he knew good for him. Set him up to fail. Yeah. Um, so, and also as this is going on, as the time is ticking down, the chain around, uh, Joyce's neck is pulling her like lower and lower down. Yeah. So she's initially like kind of standing up. Eventually she gets forced down to her knees and she's like lower and lower. Yeah. And then, um, so obviously Bobby fails this trap. Yes. His pectoral like, muscles are ripped open. He's most of the way up and then whoop, just ripped out of there. Uh, yeah. He falls to the ground and then he just like sort of sadly looks over at his wife. Who is. So his wife is then where she is chained to the ground. He gets to watch as what is basically a large brazen bull forms around her and she's incinerated alive. Yeah. And it's like. like it like closes around her like a clamshell basically. Yeah. It's <laughs> insanity. Like how did this traption, contraption get built? How does it exist? Like, <laughs> like I don't understand what's going on. Um, and also, she really did not deserve this. <laughs> yeah, she did nothing at all. Yeah. Like, supposedly, the other people, like, knew that this was a lie and were helping him cover it up and, like, right. sweeten the story a little bit, make it more dramatic. But, like... Obviously, she didn't know that it was fake at all. She thought he actually went through this, and she was like supporting him in his decision to start this motivational uh, thing as like an outlet for his traumatic experience. Right. So I also love how while this is good. all happening, she's being burned alive. We have to see like various shots of her like skin melting and stuff, and like um. He is like standing outside watching and he keeps like grabbing onto the electrical wire surrounding like the like the platform that she's on and it just like shocks him and he's just like ah. and I'm like I mean you can't do anything look at that machine that she's in like yeah yeah that's uh that's a pretty dramatic one that's uh <laughs> clearly a lot of time was spent preparing this aspect of the trap oh yes i'd say so so, yeah, those are the traps for Saw 7. Yeah, that's that's all of it. That's really where it ends. It all. Um, yeah, I mean, there's... This is definitely uh, generally cited as one of the less favorite installments among fans. I'm pretty uh, sure it's my, my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, certainly not my favorite. Probably my least as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some fun parts. As we said, we definitely love Dr. Gordon here. For um, sure. A couple of the traps, like that last trap is kind of cool. It's kind of funny to see this guy um, like have all this thrown in his face after he was lying about it. Right. Um, but like, I don't know. The traps aren't super original most of the time. No. like Some of them feel like kind of rehashed. And... 
uh, just the plot is just very confusing and a mess, especially all that stuff with the police at the end. Right. There's basically no plot for most of the movie. And then there's like a ton at the end. (laughs) It's like first two acts, no plot. Third act, all the plot. Yeah. So it's just like completely like chaotic. It doesn't feel right at all. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's an interesting way to end this. I, I would have liked to see their original plan for Saw 7 and Saw 8, but it's still right. satisfying after you know all these movies we've watched to finally be at the end of it, to see all these loose ends wrapped up, to right. see the very end here of the Saw franchise. Yes. It's very nice. It is. Uh, so, it's nice that it begins and ends with Dr. Gordon, basically, the whole thing. Yeah. Definitely. I, that definitely feels like very bookended there. Like yeah. poetic in a way. Um, and now he presumably may take over his jigsaw. Who or knows? he may not. Maybe he yeah. won't do anything. Maybe he just was there to finish off Hoffman and put an end to everything. Yeah. It's pretty much up to him. So uh, I think that pretty much wraps up all we have to say about Saw 7 or Saw 3D. I think so as well. It's been quite a ride here. It talking has. about Saw. Uh, it's one of our favorites. But uh, we hope you enjoyed this trip through the Saw series. It's been a lot it of fun. It was fun. It's been a lot of fun for us. Yeah. Um, don't know what we're going to do next, but stay tuned. We'll find something for you. And mm-hmm. as always, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies. All right, I think that went pretty well. Yeah, uh, it was fine. Yeah, we got we we zipped through it in a way pretty quickly this time. Yeah, um, felt much much quicker than Saw Six. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Saw Six, man. Uh, you don't think we should cover Jigsaw, do you? No, I don't. I mean, what's the point? I don't think it's worth it. Um, right. I mean, it's not really that... in like the same like series. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it's it's just like it's like the plot's not really connected, and yeah, it is a Saw movie, but it came out like you know like seven years afterwards. It's just like why why even bother, you know? Right. Um, all right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you're probably right. All right, hold on. I'm gonna go grab another beer. All right. Uh, see you in a minute. Hello, Teddy. I want to play a game. What? No way. You claim to be the biggest Jigsaw fan out there. Yet you're not even playing to cover the movie named after Jigsaw. Named after me. Jigsaw? Really? No, no. Okay, come on. Come on. It's not even even one of the main movies. Like, it, it doesn't even follow the whole continuity. It is literally named Jigsaw. God damn it. Are you kidding me? You have a choice here. You can cover my movie or not. Live or die, make your choice. Live or die? God damn it. I can't believe this. You gotta cover for All right. Jigsaw. All right. So, uh, we, we agree. No jigsaw? Uh, got... Matt, I've got some bad news for you. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, 
So, you know, so Jigsaw says that we have to cover Ex- Jigsaw. Jigsaw says? Yeah. Jigsaw was here. Jigsaw he, says. Yeah, Jigsaw said this. I know, Matt. Come on. All right. Jigsaw says. What, we have what did you say every time I said Jigsaw? Okay. I know. Okay. So so he is, maybe he is, I don't know. I don't know if he's real, but somebody, he says we have to do it, Matt. I don't Fine. want to mess with that. All right. All I'm saying is I told you so. God, okay. You know what? You were right. Uh, God damn it. I guess we're going to do Jigsaw. All right. We'll do Jigsaw.